And when we wanted to put something together, we just do it, you know. See, we get high, you know what I'm saying? We all hippies, we all, we get high and we just do what the fuck we want to do. We don't care who listening and who not listening. And you know, you're just doing what the right thing is. What I do, you know, the music I make and the way I dedicate my life, nobody can say because I'm delivering product on a whole new level. I'm like a machine, I'm a robot. You cannot offend a robot. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Pacer Pod, and I am super pumped to record this episode because there's a lot of shit that's been going down since the last time I recorded a, a podcast. Um, personally, I have relocated myself for the next four months, about three quarters of a mile east of Bankers Life Fieldhouse. So I am literally in the belly of the beast for the next four months. It happens to work out. It was something I did that, um, that, that worked with my work and was able to make it happen in my personal life. So here I am recording from the belly of Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Um, no, I'm actually just in my, my guest bedroom, but I'm close. I can imagine I can imagine what the stadium looks like from here. And it's awesome because, you know, sorry, I'm just gonna I'm gonna brag a little bit here. Um, 
you know, I was able to go to opening night and I'm here in the city and it feels, feels great. It feels, it feels great. I'm so excited about the Pacers. Uh, even after, even after the, the disappointing loss to the Pistons in, on opening night, which I will, I will definitely get into uh, later on in the episode. But uh, to start with, um, I think, well, it's, it's, been, it's been a minute since I've done a, a podcast, but the biggest news between um, the last episode I did and this episode is the fact that the Pacers uh, re-signed DeMontis Sabonis uh, they extended his contract for another four years and $75 million. Um, I got to be honest, this was the first time that I have ever felt any sort of like discomfort as a fan when it comes to like a, a player's contract negotiation. Um, and that's only because I've, I've, I've only really followed the Pacers closely uh, to that level for the past, you know, two to three years. So there was news going on that the, the it was openly out there on the internet that the Pacers were uh, basically shopping DeMontis Sabonis, seeing, you know, seeing what kind of offers they could get. He was on the trading block and um, it was, I don't know, it was, it kind of sucked. I was like, man, I, I remember listening to Sabonis being interviewed after practice once the news had, was, was out there that the Pacers were taking, looking at trade options. And Sabonis was just like, you know, man, the, now I know exactly where the Pacers feel about me and blah, blah, blah. Um, it wasn't a good, it, it seemed like Sabonis was pissed. And from all I could really tell, it seemed like that the Pacers had maybe were willing to make an offer to Sabonis, but he was expecting a lot more money. And so at this time I was feeling like, I didn't know, I didn't, like on one hand, it's like, I want, I really want the Pacers to re-sign Sabonis. Uh, but on the other hand, I don't want them to pay like max. I don't want him to get a max contract. So like, I didn't know what he's, I didn't know what he was asking for. Um, but luckily fast forward a couple of days, they come to a deal, so Sabonis gets four years, $75 million, which is essentially identical to what Miles Turner got. And so I'm super happy about that. Um, so, so happy because I was really concerned. that I was concerned that the Pacers were going to um, not trade Sabonis, but just not re-sign him. And then we would have started the season with him on kind of a disgruntled note. And that was actually the first time over the past, you know, two years that I've been following the Pacers that I've, that I've felt that, whereas like, oh man, the, the, the player is pissed at the organization. Uh, Cause that's one thing I think as Pacer fans, we've been able to sort of avoid is that um, uh, distance between player and management. Like, I don't know, it just seems like for this team, everything's kind of been on the positive side. And so this was, to me, the first time that I that I saw something sort of negative, um, but it ended up being super positive. You know, the, the Pacers and, and Sabonis came to an agreement, four years, seventy five million, and man, I think that is, I think that is a bargain. I think the Pacers got Sabonis and Turner on a bargain. Um, gr- 
I'm saying that as if the as if the salary cap is going to continue to expand. Who knows what's going to happen with China? You know, maybe maybe the salary cap starts to drop and those contracts actually look worse. Uh, but I'm in, I'm anticipating, you know, what everybody else seems to anticipate, which is the salary cap going up. And therefore, we got Turner and Sabonis for the next three or four years, costing us about 40 million bucks, which is super awesome because you could then you can add in uh, Brogdon for what another 18. I just like how the Pacers we, we're now that we signed Sabonis, we've got. Um, Sabonis under contract, Turner under contract, Brogdon under contract, and um, oh shit, I just realized like Oladipo is the one that's not under contract for that long. I think we got we've got we've got we've got Oladipo this year and next year, but then I think he becomes a free agent. But he feels like you know, so like Oladipo feels like the the heart of this team. I can't imagine, although he does seem like someone who has interests else elsewhere. Um, man, I, I don't want to get in, I, I didn't mean to get into Oladipo leaving or like, are we going to stay, is he going to stay with us or not? But I, I just, I like, I, I, let me get back to Sabonis. Sabonis does a great signing. I think that we, the Pacers had to sign him. Even if, even if, um, Sabonis and Turner, uh, one day we end up having to part with one of them. It's just better to have him signed. We know we got him going into next year. And, uh, I, I was very, I was very happy to see that the Pacers and and Sabonis uh, made it work because I was very skeptical that they would be able to get someone in return that would uh, that I would feel happy with because I saw I saw like the only the only trade um, the only trade I saw was like Sabonis for like Mikael Bridges and a first round pick from the Phoenix Suns. I was like, fuck that man, no way, no way. Uh, no, not getting rid of Sabonis. So thank you Pacers for re-signing DeMontis. Thank you DeMontis for, um, signing with the Pacers. And, uh, he's, he's, he is, he's, he's legit, man. Sabonis is a big piece of what we're doing and I couldn't be happier. Um, so I love it. And, uh, I'm, I listed out a couple of things like, this is why I love it. I love it because Sabonis is 23 years old. So we signed him for four years. So we're going to have him from the time he's 24 to the time he's 28, um, which is perfect. Like that, that's, I mean, for a big man, 6'11", 240, 250, like that's when you want him. You want him right then. Um, I love it. His Sabonis' window fits perfectly into the Pacers next three to four years. Um, and it's not, we didn't even have, we didn't have to pay him max money. He's, he is, I think Sabonis is going to be—he's um, going to be a starter for the Pacers, and he's going to be a big piece of what we're doing. Uh, so I, I love the fact that his youth, um, and then we're going to have the, the amount of time that this con- the, the contract is for his next couple of years, and I think that's—I think that's perfect. Um, one of the things about Sabonis, another reason why I'm glad the Pacers signed him is that this dude keeps getting better every single year he's been in the league. This is his fourth year in the league. Um, I, I looked up the stats. This is this is pretty impressive. So he went from six points to eleven points to fourteen points to we'll see. This is this year, right? And then rebounds, three rebounds, seven rebounds, nine rebounds. We'll see. Well, we've had one game of the season so far. Sabonis 
dropped 27 points, 13 rebounds as a starter. I mean, this dude, th those are huge numbers. I mean, those are huge numbers. Um, so he just keeps getting better. So that's one of the things that's like, I'm good with this contract. I think Sabonis is going to be a better player than what he's been in the past. And so lock him in. Um, more, even more than, than um, his numbers, I love Sabonis's energy and toughness. To me, he's the one guy on this team at this moment, although after watching the game against the Pistons, and I, I, would, I would start to put TJ McConnell in this camp, but he's one of those guys that just like, when he's out on the court, he's given you, you know he's given you everything he's got. And I love the energy that, that Sabonis plays with and the toughness, it's much needed on this team. Um, so I'm glad that we locked him in. I think as he gets more and more experience in the NBA, that toughness is only going to start to exert it. He's only going to be able to like kind of show that more and more and more as he be, as he learns, you know, like how to, I don't know, how to get into other people's head a little bit more. And he, I think he's going to continue to kind of be that sort of, uh, um, physical enforcer that we need, uh, because Turner his co-partner hasn't seemed to, he, he, he doesn't have that yet. He doesn't have that um, ability to, like Turner makes his, makes his money, you know, with his size, but he doesn't use his size as effectively as someone like Sabonis does, at least like on the toughness scale. And so that's one of the things I really appreciate, appreciate about Sabonis is that he is tough, even though he doesn't have a body like Joel Embiid or Andre Drummond. He kind of bangs with people and try and, 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 and you know, he gets rebounds. 27 and 13, it's legit. Um, all right, moving on. I love Sabonis for, uh, this, this actually might be the most important reason. He seems like a great teammate. Like, I love all the shit that him and Oladipo do, all those little handshakes and uh, the fact that they were both in Orlando and then they both got traded to Oklahoma City, and then they both got traded to the Pacers. They're kind of like a, they're kind of like this, uh, you know, unlikely uh, pairing. They just kind of happen to be going on the same path. And um, I'm so happy that we got both of those guys here in Indiana uh, because they're great. And I don't know. I guess I just think that Sabonis, to me, when I'm watching the games, man, he just seems like he seems like a really good teammate. He's always kind of he's enthusiastic, and I never see him like. Um, kind of pouting or anything. He's, I mean, he, he does cry to the refs a little bit, but it's, it seems like he's always got composure during the games, and I, I appreciate that. Um, shoot, uh, uh, you know, Sabonis was my, my Boom Baby award w winner for last year. When I did my award show, you know, from last season, he was the player that I thought was the, uh, and, and this was because, you know, well, I shouldn't say this for sure. I mean, I, even if even if Vic would have been healthy the whole year, I still might have picked Sabonis because I just love what Sabonis brought to the team last year. But uh, I mean, Sabonis is one of my favorite players, so I'm super happy that the that the Pacers re-signed him. Like gun to my head, Sabonis or Turner, probably picking Sabonis. Um, I hate saying that because I don't hope. I hopefully that this works and we can keep both of these guys and don't have to trade one. But if we had to, gun to my head, I think I'm keeping Sabonis, and then I'll get, I'll do something else with Turner's stuff. I love Turner, uh, so this is even kind of hard to talk about, but it's like, I, I like Sabonis more than I like Turner at this point. So I'm super happy that the Pacers re-signed him. 
Um, I guess kind of like, all right, so I, I've, I've obviously hit a bunch of the positives with Sabonis, but like, what about the negatives? You know, like what, what more can, this is like what I would hope to see over the next four years with Sabonis that he can add to his game. Number one, shoot the three-pointer, man. Like last season, I remember talking about how he was, he had a ridiculous percentage. He didn't shoot very many threes, but he was knocking down like 50% or, or better. It was only maybe like sample size of 20. But so far in preseason and then the first game of the season, his three-point shot looks broke. It looks, it looks completely broken. It looks like he's shooting it with no confidence. Um, obviously, we're dealing with a smaller sample size, and, and Sabonis is not a player who's, um, you know, you don't think of his three-point shooting as being one of his attributes. But I think, I think that that's something that he could bring to the table. And when you watch the games, it's like there's so many times that Sabonis is he's literally holding the ball at the top of the key or, you know, at some, at some point on the perimeter. And he's, he's either right behind the three-point line with his man, you know, eight feet off of him, or uh, he's like a foot within the three-point line. And it's like, well, I'll take a step back and jack it, you know, but uh, I don't know. I just feel like he has the potential to really improve this team if he can develop a, a reliable three-point shot. And he's got, a, it, it's almost like the same way with like Giannis or Ben Simmons. Um, when it, you know, as far as like what the national media covers, it's like you don't even have to necessarily knock. You don't even have to make that many of them, but you just have to shoot them so that the defense doesn't sag off of you so much. With Sabonis, like he grabs that ball, um, and like he, like I've noticed, so like it seems like he doesn't even even look at the basket. He like puts his back to the basket, or or is just holding the ball like in the triple threat position, like obviously looking to just make a pass. Um, but that pass that he's making is not a pass that's like creating any offense. It's just like, um, it's like just a secondary pass. It's basically, he's just like, I caught the ball here at the three point line. There's nothing that I can do with it. So I'm looking to get rid of the ball so that someone else can try to do something. Um, but I think he's got a decent enough shot that he should be able to just knock that shit down. Uh, so that's something I want to see from him, uh, over the next couple of years. Um, what else? The biggest question here, and this is going to lead right into the opening night game against the Pistons. You got Sabonis, you got Turner, we've got him now under contract. Going into um, this season and seasons to come, will those two be able to control elite big men? I'm talking about Joel Embiid, uh, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, some degree Giannis, um, or like we experienced in opening night, Andre Drummond. It's these big physical centers that I talked about it last year. They just constantly dominated uh, Turner and our front court just by getting every single offensive rebound, uh, shooting incredible percentages, uh, so let me just get in, you know, right into right into the game against the Pistons. It, it was to me, that's that's what it was. It's like we couldn't stop Drummond. He ended up with 32 points, 23 rebounds, four blocks, three steals. He had seven offensive rebounds, four of those coming in the fourth quarter, which I'll get to later. But 
that's a problem. Like when you and, and that's why the Pacers didn't win the game. Um, Turner and Sabonis, and it's like I was so I happened to be at the game and I was uh, I was pretty close to the game in the sense where it's like I was I could really see what was going on and. I just noticed like on so many of these offensive rebounds that Drummond would get, it was no one was boxing him out. It's just it's like basic stuff. But Turner or Sabonis, whoever was on him would just the shot goes up. They turn and look at this. They look towards the rim and, and get ready to to jump towards the rebound. And but and as soon as the shot hits the rim, it's almost like Drummond has positioned himself where, yeah, Turner, you can jump, but like I'm right here. So you're not going to be able to elevate past me so i'm just going to get up and get the rebound and then you're you're in the air i'm in the air i'm bigger than you i come down with the ball i go right back up and i'm getting easy two points and if you're fast enough you might foul me and then i get a chance to go to the free throw line where notoriously i'm a horrible shooter but tonight i'm going to go eight for ten and beat you guys so I don't know. It was just one of those games where no matter what else was going on, and there was a lot of other stuff going on and stuff that I uh, want to talk about, like other players, what was going on in the perimeter, um, and in the good aspects of Turner and Sabonis. I mean, because there was, I mean, those two killed it on the stat sheet, but like, bottom line, it was just, you can't let a big guy, and Detroit played Drummond 40 minutes, which is a ton of minutes to play a center. Um, but at the same time, McMillan, he played Turner 38 minutes. So, um, you know, Drummond just killed killed the Pacers. And that's something that concerns me moving forward with the pairing of Sabonis and Turner is will we ever, will, is there any way that those two bigs can uh, at least slow down dominant big men like Drummond or Embiid Carl uh, Anthony Towns, like a big dude who can really kind of pound you in the middle. Uh, because, so, like, Turner is, he gets a lot of blocked shots, um, but he's not really that physical. And Sabonis is, like, physical, but he's just not really that big, is kind of the kind of how I see our big men. And there's, there is a disconnect there um, because we don't have anybody who can really slow down Drummond because, like, Sabonis isn't nearly big enough. And Turner, I love Turner. And this is the other thing. They're both young, so it's like I, I don't hate criticizing him, but Turner just, like, isn't tough enough right now. Or he just gets out. He just gets moved. I don't know. Maybe he just, I don't know. That's just what it is. Uh, so that's my concern. I'm happy having Turner, and I'm happy having Sabonis. They're both young. Like, let's ride it out. Uh, because we're going to win a lot of games because they're going to be they're gonna be able to dominate a lot of other front courts in the NBA. But when it comes down to some of the teams, I'm especially just, I mean, honestly, like I think Oladipo comes back. And even if Oladipo never came back, I still think the Pacers are better than the Pistons. Uh, they just happened to beat us this game. Um, so I'm not scared of Drummond necessarily, but I am scared of Joel Embiid. And I am scared that when the Pacers try to go up against the 76ers, that like, we're just gonna be fucked because Embiid and Horford are just gonna kill Turner and Sabonis. Um, like right now, I think that would definitely happen, but maybe those two guys can get better and mitigate that some. Um, so 
back to the game, right? We're going up against Detroit, home opener. Um, a lot of excitement. There definitely was a lot of excitement. Um, I was at the game, and Oladipo did a little speech beforehand, before where they introduced the starters. And or no, actually that was after they introduced the starters. Uh, but it was pretty hype. It was a it was a good crowd, not a great crowd. Like I think that there's definitely room to improve. Um, just based off the fact that like they're like not all the seats were full, but there was a lot of I mean, it was a good attendance. I mean, it was probably 95 percent full and uh, there was quite a bit of energy. But the Pacers, unfortunately, just didn't give um, give us a ton to root for to start the game. Like they got down six to nothing and then uh, never took the lead until the very end of the first half. Um, and then essentially the the Pacers, when they took the lead in the, at the end of the first half, I thought it was like, okay, here we go. Like we are a better team, even without Oladipo, we're, we're a better team than the Pistons. And then we finally started to show it. And then halftime came, third quarter came, Pacers had a great third quarter. And they, they went up by like nine points or so. And then went into the fourth quarter and then there was the collapse. And then there was no comp recovering from the collapse. But uh, um, I guess I'll just talk about some of the good things that I, that I uh, thought about from the game. Um, Turner and Sabonis, they put up monster stats. So I'm just going to hit you with the, some box score stuff. Turner, 25 points, nine rebounds, three blocks, two steals. Uh, one thing that was so beautiful, within the, baked into those 25 points were four three-point connections by Miles Turner. Um, he took seven three-pointers this game. He, at, he was the pacer that took the most threes, and he knocked down four of them. It was beautiful. And, and Turner has the most, he has the softest shot on the team that I've seen so far. Like, he had this one three that he got to go in that just, um, man, it just sat on the rim, and it looked like it had to spin out, but it was just so soft that it just, it rolled right back in, and he had a free throw that way too. Um, and I do remember, you know, we saw that a little bit from Turner last year. Was he, he has a very soft touch on his jumper. He has so much arch, um, and it was awesome to see this first game that he connected on four three pointers. And so, man, looking at Turner's stats, I was like, you can't ask for much more. Uh, again, unless maybe just keeping uh, Drummond off the offensive glass would be something I would ask for, but. Uh, we didn't get that, but we got a great stat line. And then our other big, Sabonis, 27 points, 13 rebounds, 11 of 15 from the field. That's 73%, 5 of 5 from the free throw line. Um, that's just getting, that's just getting, that's just filling boxes. That's just, if you're a fantasy player, that's just like looking at your screen and it just keeps going gray and it keeps going gray in the exact areas that you want it to go gray. Um, Sabonis had a great game as far as number-wise. Same with Turner. Uh, one thing I did notice was that uh, there was there was some staggering of minutes between Turner and Sabonis. It was like uh, start of the game, uh, Turner, 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 and then Turner went to the bench. Sabonis stayed out there. And then towards the very end of the first quarter, it was like Turner comes in, Sabonis goes to the bench, or maybe it was vice versa, I don't remember exactly, but I noticed that it was kind of like we always had either Turner or Sabonis on the court 
for the most part. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, our new point guard, right? The president. Uh, I thought he he had a great game when you look at the box score, but I felt like there was like I still wanted to see more from him. I still wanted to see Brogdon uh, bring it on the uh, offensive end a little bit more. Like I, I wanted to see him take a couple more shots. But uh, when you look at his stat line, he had 22 points, 11 assists, three rebounds. Um, he was 10 of 11 from the free throw line, which was so nice to see. That was one of my biggest complaints last year about this Pacers team was that we just left so many points on the free throw line because we were one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the league. And for no reason, all of our players are were good shots. It was just like we had some sort of some sort of stank on our free throw shooting. And I, I think the Pacers, I, I'll need to look this up, but I, I think they were like under 75 percent from the free throw line last year. Um, so I was so happy to see that we got guys that could hit free throws and Brogdon obviously the perfect example, 50, 40, 90 guy. Um, he went 10 of 11 from the free throw line. And then I looked and imagine this, from the free throw line, the Pacers as a team shot 20 of 24 for 83%. That's that's good enough to lead the, I'm, I think that's probably good enough to lead the NBA in free throw per- percentage if we were able to maintain that throughout the year. That's what I wanna see. That's a good sign. Pacers lost the game, but that's a good sign that the free throw percentage was really good. Um, Some other positives from the game. Edmund Sumner. He was the one bright spot that we had coming off the bench. Um, There was a moment in the first quarter that the Pistons seemed like they were just the only team that had any energy out there. And Nate McMillan puts in Sumner. Sumner gets like two steals within a minute and in that also same minute, I think he had a dunk and maybe he had like a nice assist. Uh, so Sumner, Sumner actually brought some spark to our to our bench or you know into the game, and it was it was awesome to see. He ended up with three steals. Um, the thing that I noticed the most about Sumner was just how quick he was, and like he seemed to be one of those guys who could just get wherever he wanted to get on the court. Like nobody can stay in front of him. Um, so I think like. He could be really good, especially, uh, you know, in some way, him and Jeremy Lamb are kind of in that same position for us where unless Sumner can play point guard, too, I don't know. It's just it's it's very interesting to see, you know, who's going to who's going to kind of be that. What's our what's our bench rotation going to look like in this first game against Detroit? Uh, I mean, McMillan relied heavily on the starters like all. Like I mentioned, Turner had 38 minutes. I think Sabonis played like 35 and Warren was 33. Like we didn't, we only had, Sumner actually had the most minutes off of the bench at 22. Um, and then the next guy was like, I don't know, maybe Justin Holiday with 15 and McDermott with 14. It was just, uh, McMillan was really leaving the starters out there. Um, and, but off the bench, Sumner was the only guy who was kind of giving us some positives. Uh, although actually, and I'll get into this later, McConnell did too. But uh, Sumner, you know, he was he was looking good. He had some he had some steals. He had some really athletic plays. Um, so I'm excited to see I'm excited to see what Sumner can do. I, he was a player who, you know, when we look back on last year, you know, he spent a lot of his time in Fort Wayne, but he did have some flashes. Uh, that last game against Atlanta in the regular season, I think he had 30. Um, 
So he's a player to keep your eye on this year, and it looks like he's getting the he's definitely getting some minutes. So he's he's probably playing pretty well in practice and such. Um, so essentially, in this game against against Detroit, you know, McMillan went with the veterans and sat the young guys. So uh, real quick, you got T.J. McConnell, Doug McDermott, and Justin Holiday. Um, McConnell. I really liked the way that McConnell played. Uh, he got into Reggie Jackson. Um, they had they had one play where um, McDur- or, uh, McConnell was just up in Reggie Jackson, knocked the ball loose, dive on dive to the floor. Reggie Jackson dives on the floor. They're both kind of flying out of bounds. It, it was a controversial call that ended up going Detroit's way, but um, I just like I love the grit and the toughness that McConnell brings. It's one of the things that's like you know, Aaron Holiday needs to adopt that mentality. Like, we need Aaron Holiday to have that sort of uh, fight and that sort of nasty that TJ McConnell brings. And that's one of the things um, I remember, like, listening to some podcasts when we got McConnell. I was like, there's some podcast maybe that had, like, a Philadelphia 76ers podcaster on it. And they were saying, like, you know, McConnell, or, yeah, McConnell's going to give you, you know, these, like, these random steals throughout, throughout the game, just, like, real heady plays, like, when the other team's kind of lackadaisical, he's going to come up from behind and strip the ball or whatever. And like, I don't necessarily recall a play in, in this first game against Detroit, but I, I saw McConnell put the pressure where it's like, he could have come up with that ball. And it's like, Oh shit. Like normally when you're walking the game, when you're watching the game, you're like, okay, they're going to inbound the ball here. And then I'm going to start watching like two seconds later once they cross half court. And it's like McConnell like makes it. So you have to watch the inbound pass. And because he's like making it, he's like, he's in it. And that's one thing I love. I love that about TJ. Um, and so I was, I was impressed with him. I thought Doug McDermott looked good. Uh, he had a couple threes. Uh, the thing about McDermott, right? It's like, if you're going to be in the game, you got to jack. And if you're going to jack, you got to make it. Um, and he had, I think he had a pretty good game, good game. I don't remember how many points he scored exactly, but he was he was aggressive on offense, which is what we have to have when he's out there. And he knocked down a couple threes, so it's like that's that's what we need from you, buddy. So that that to me um, warrants you a spot on the court. Uh, Justin Holiday, another veteran. He's uh, oldest guy on the team, thirty years old, but he he played a ton of minutes, but we didn't get a ton out of Justin Holiday. Um, he. Trying to think like what he really did. It, it it I remember him going up for a dunk and missing the dunk, but I think he might have got fouled. Uh, I just I wasn't super impressed with Justin Holiday, but he got a lot of minutes. So uh, Nate McMillan obviously has some trust in him, and that's cool. Like I'm good with that. I mean, obviously it's like we wish the Pacers would have come out and got up by 20 points on the Pistons so that we could have could have played some of these young guys. But that wasn't the case, and the fact is, McMillan leaned heavily on the starters and these three veterans, McConnell, McDermott, and Holiday. Um, but like, so it's like, uh, there's, I kind of talked a lot about the good stuff, you know, with this game, you know, with uh, Sabonis and Turner and Brogdon and the, and the box scores and uh, but the Pacers lost the game. You know they lost one nineteen to one ten, and these are the reasons, or these are some things that I'm a little concerned about after watching game number one. 
Um, first thing is our new guys, right? So TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb, that we got to have at least one of those guys hitting shots. And tonight, or not tonight, I don't know, I don't know why I said tonight. This is Saturday, the game is on Wednesday. Uh, on Wednesday, both of those guys were kind of cold. And when they're both cold, it's going to be tough to win games without Oladipo. So I remember there was that game in in uh, India, the first preseason game, the the mag the magical preseason game, where T.J. Warren scored thirty and Jeremy Lamb scored twenty, and you know combined for fifty points. It was awesome. Well, this game against the Pistons, it was you know back to some sort of reality where they combined for twenty points, nine to twenty three. Uh, from the field, zero of four from three-point line. Um, both of those guys were kind of flat, uh, just didn't give us that spark that we needed. One thing Jeremy Lamb did do was, you know, he did do some playmaking. I think he ended up with like five or six assists, which was nice. Um, but they were just missing shots. And when they're missing shots, um, that's the biggest thing that they bring to the team. So there's some guys on this team, like I mentioned it earlier with Hol- like Aaron Holiday. I'm going to put TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb into this same kind of category where it's, where it's like, yes, your best asset is your ability to score the basketball. But on this team, we need something else. Like like we're going to need more from than just getting points. So like how can you get better at like playing better defense or setting your teammates up better or um, – I don't know, like rebounding the basketball, like doing something else besides just getting buckets. And that's where those three players, in my mind, kind of fit this group. Because other players, it's like you kind of, like Sumner, for example, it's like uh, Sumner, yeah, he's getting us some points, but like we don't necessarily need him to get points because he's also providing a, a ton of uh, positive stuff on the defensive end, like on the perimeter, like getting three steals. He's an energy guy. Where it's like Aaron Holiday, it's like, all right, man, like, yeah, I know you want to score the basketball and we want you to, but if you're not, then like do what Sumner does. Like get up in guys' grill. Like you're only getting Aaron only played six minutes in this game. So it's like you're not guaranteed any minutes, so you might as well be, you know, you you better be up in people's grill um and using up that energy that you have. And so I don't know. I, I just uh, I kind of got off on a tangent there, but essentially I thought one of the big reasons why the Pacers lost that game is that we just didn't get much from TJ Warren or Jeremy Lamb. Um, I was interested. One of the things, my biggest questions going into this year is like what kind of distribution will the shots go? Like who's going to take the most shots? Um, and I was I'm not surprised with what we got from the first game. And I think that's probably going to be pretty similar to what we're going to see moving forward, which is essentially um, exactly what I think the Pacers need to do, which is a very balanced attack. So you had the starters, Turner, Sabonis, Brogdon, Warren, and Lamb. All five of those guys had over 10 shot attempts, but none of them had over 15. So we had Turner and Sabonis. They both took 15. Brogdon had 13. Warren had 12. Lamb had 11. So... I think that's a good way to do it because uh, Turner and Sabonis, obviously with the 15 apiece, we didn't take very many three-pointers. Although, let me backtrack a second because Turner took seven three-pointers, which was nice. Um, it was just, I, I think that's a, probably a pretty healthy shot distribution right now without Oladipo is 
getting our starters uh, a lot of touches. And so I was encouraged, even though Warren and Lamb weren't necessarily um, having great games, they still continued to stay aggressive and they took shots. And, and we need that. And I think moving forward, it's like those two guys are good enough where they're going to get they're going to one of those guys is going to have a good game. And that's going to be enough for the Pacers to get a lot of W's. Um, the biggest negative about the game was the fourth quarter. I mean, in the first half, it was basically all Detroit, but the, the Pacers were close enough, and they they always seemed like they could turn it on and catch the Pistons to the point where they went into half with a point with a one point lead. Third quarter, Pacers beat the Pistons, and then at some point in the fourth quarter, shit just went completely bananas. Um, the Pistons outscored the Pacers 36 to 24 in the fourth quarter. Um, it was just, we were, the Pacers were exposed um, completely by the Pistons in this fourth quarter at right on our home court. We watched the lead go to zero. Then we watched the lead by the Pistons skyrocket all the way up to nine or 10 points. And um, it was essentially, they were beating us inside and then they were beating us outside. In the fourth quarter alone, DeAndre Drummond, who I mentioned earlier, had the killer stats. But in the fourth quarter, Drummond scores 14 points. He gets seven rebounds. Four of them are offensive rebounds, which essentially I would guarantee that every offensive rebound Drummond got, it seemed to be a putback layup, um, which would obviously then equivalent to two points. And then on the outside, Luke Kennard was just basically out there playing horse. He scored 16 points in the fourth quarter, just knocking down open jumpers. Um, and the Pacers just looked like they had, they were just, they were scattered. They were so scattered um, in the fourth quarter on defense. They just were completely exposed and the Pistons beat them. And it was, it felt like it was never even close, even though that the Pacers felt like they had command of the game for three quarters. So in my mind, it was like we had three quarters and then we played one really shitty quarter and got beat. Um, I remember I watched some of the uh, kind of press conferences after the game and all the players, they seem to say the right things. You know, they're not making excuses, but they're just saying, um, you know, we got outworked, we got punched in the mouth and um, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, it was by Andre Drummond. I mean, you, get, you gave up 32 points and 23 rebounds to a player um, who's, he's not Wilt Chamberlain. Like, all you got to do is be physical with him, and he's, he's not that, he's not that good. He's a good player. He's definitely a good player, but 32 points and 23 rebounds and just dominating us was just nonsense. So, Pacers got to figure out how to handle big guys. Um, what else? It was also a very tough night for the young guys on this team. Um, I mentioned that McConnell, or not McConnell, but Mc, uh, McMillan. Man, we got McMillan, McConnell, and McDermott. And then TJ, TJ, TJ. So a lot of name shit going on with the Pacers. But uh, he went with the, the veterans in opening night. You know, McConnell, McDermott, and Justin Holiday. And it was just a tough night for the young guys. Everybody besides uh, Edmund Sumner seemed to really struggle. Uh, man, and this is something that I was me and this old guy in front of me were both thinking the same thing, like Goga Batate didn't play a single minute. On one hand, it's like, I don't understand why you're not playing Goga. 
But on the other hand, you know, one of the things that the Pacers say that feels so good when they say it is like, no, you're not, minutes are not just given, like you have to earn minutes. And if maybe this is something that's going to make Go Guy just better and better and better is like, if he's not getting minutes, then maybe he just has to work harder and harder and harder. Um, I don't know. I'm recording this at 624 right now. And the, and the Pacers have a game against the Cavaliers at eight o'clock. And I really hope that Goga plays because I'm nervous that he's like not even good enough to play. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. He didn't get it. Goga didn't get any minutes in the game against Detroit, which was uh, that was rough to see. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully we see him soon. Um, I mentioned Aaron Holiday earlier. He he played six minutes. He took six shots, zero points. Or, you know, he was 0 for 6 from the field. He only played in the first half. And, you know, that's what I'm saying about Aaron. It's like, he comes in looking to score, which, yeah, that's that's like the best thing that you do. But this tonight was a perfect example. He didn't, He his shot wasn't falling. He had this one shot where, I mean, I appreciate the balls of this. He went up to try to dunk and got met at the rim. Uh, and it was not able to complete it. Uh, but he was definitely like holiday looks super springy out there. I love the, the idea of a holiday Sumner backcourt. It is exciting to me because both of those guys are young and they're both athletic and, uh, they can both shoot and play make, but, um, they're not there yet. They're certainly not there yet. And I don't know. Holiday just had a rough game over six, six minutes of action. Um, that's, that's definitely not what we're, we're hoping for, for the rest of the season. And TJ Leaf, the guy that we're, you know, maybe seeing some more stuff from this year. He only got three minutes. He didn't do shit. Um, Pacers lose. We're 0-1. Now we got a three-game home, not three-game home, opposite. Going on the road for three games tonight against, tonight in Cleveland. Then we go back to Detroit. And then uh, to Brooklyn. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm uh, I'm ex- I, I I still have a ton of faith in this team. I still I'm not worried about the Pacers. But tonight's a big night. Like I'm excited to see how we handle the Cavs. Uh, because honestly, if we lose to the Cavs, I'm gonna I'm gonna really start to think about what what we've got here. And maybe I've been really overhyping this team without Oladipo. Uh, but I still think that this team has a chance to be good without Oladipo. Uh, I, I, in my mind, I mean, in my head, the Pacers were better than Detroit, um, and they just lost. So I'm willing. It's one game. Set it aside. But I hopefully that that woke them up enough, and and they uh, to me they have to take care of business tonight against Cleveland. Like, um, no funny business. You got to take care of business. You're the you're the better team. Uh, let's see it. So. I think that's all I got for this episode. Um, three games, so like I mentioned, you know, Cavs, Detroit, Brooklyn. I would, um, I would be asking for two wins. I'm asking for two wins of those three, and I think they come in the form of tonight against the Cavs, and then Monday night against Detroit. I think we get revenge, and I don't think Detroit's that good, and I think the Pacers will be ready to beat them. And then who knows? I mean, Brooklyn, we definitely have the ability to beat them, but uh, it's on the road and it's early in the season. So I'd be happy with two of the next three. 
and we'll go from there. So thanks for checking out the pod. Pacer season is upon us, and we will go from there. Peace.